Hey, welcome to another installment of Free From Corporate America Radio. I am glad to be back. It's been a few weeks. I had some business travel in January, got a little behind schedule here on the new year. But I wanted to get back into the swing of it. And what I do with these radio broadcasts is I take a closer look at different chapters in the book and explain a little bit of the context behind them. And this time we're doing Chase Dollars, or excuse me, Chase Skills, Not Dollars, and Management for Suckers. It's actually one of my favorite chapters. Uh, the online version is pretty short. The version in the book, I think, is a little bit longer. I expanded on a few of the themes in a little bit more detail in the book version, I believe. The book is due out later in 2008, but we have not set a formal date yet. So the reason I really like this chapter on Chase Skills, Not Dollars, is because, first of all, this book tries to give you a few different tracks you can work on simultaneously if you want to take a few of these ideas and put them to work in your life. One of them, of course, is the understanding that all of us, or at least most of us, are dealing with not-so-ideal work situations that we do want to make work in our favor. And as much as the book here talks about developing your own assets and your own independent income streams, that takes time. And in the meantime, we do have to contend with our day jobs and what we're going to do from 9 to 5. And as it turns out, there are a number of things we can do to approach our jobs and our job choices differently that will help us to get where we want to go within this overall process I describe in the book. And so this chapter in particular is for people of all ages, 20-somethings onward. I really wrote this book for people anywhere from like college graduates or even folks who are not yet finished with college or not even going to college up to well into the later eras of career changes up into the 50s and 60s. But I especially do want material that is relevant to those in their 20s because that's where I found myself in without really much of a roadmap and making choices about my career and about my finances, a lot of which honestly did not pay off and, and in some situations even backfired on me, which is uh, not obviously not an easy thing to admit, but part of what you have to do sometimes is just acknowledge that and move on. However, there was one thing I always did right in my career, which was I chased skills and not dollars. And the basic theme of this is that when you're looking to maximize your skills and your abilities in a corporate context, it's so easy to get seduced instead by the dollars. Oh, I can make money doing this or that. And I talk about how after I graduated from college, a lot of my friends ended up in the service industry. Some of them ended up in fairly lucrative service jobs, waiting tables, bartending, entry-level sales. The problem with these kinds of positions is they don't really have any career upside. And so unless you're serious about advancement within those industries, a lot of times there's a ceiling, and so you find yourself, oh, I'm waiting tables now. Five years go by, and you're still waiting tables, and you're still out of school. And also your lifestyle has kind of risen to your level of income. Maybe you bought a small place or a car or what have you. And if you love that work, that's one thing, but a lot of people don't. They viewed it as a stopgap, and they got stuck. As for me, maybe the only good decision I made after college was I craved new skills, and I went out and got them. At one point, I took a so-called job as the founding editor of a local publication where I was literally getting paid maybe $30 a week, 
but I was getting all kinds of responsibilities as the editor of that publication that I never had before. And it was those kinds of things that allowed me to eventually pick up momentum in my career, and it was invaluable to get that experience. And to this day, I answer a lot of career questions for folks with SAP business software experience. That's a very specific field with its own dynamics, but these folks often get seduced into chasing hot areas where they're going to get the best rates and not necessarily looking at it from the vantage point of how is this going to benefit my skills for the long run. So in this chapter, I talk about one of the valuable tactics you can use as you progress in your career path, whether it's inside or outside the corporate world, in a 9-to-5 context, is to make sure you're choosing positions based on skills. And essentially, if you pursue the right skills, skills you're passionate about, skills that enhance your core abilities, eventually the money will come. There are times where your skills are going to be perceived as more marketable than others, but when you make sure to do that, you're going to find yourself in the end with a lot better career position than if you always think of it in terms of how much money can I make. You may be surprised then to see the twist and turn in this chapter is that I don't have a high regard for so-called management positions. In fact, I say in most business, business settings, manager is a special role set aside for the business suck, biggest sucker, the one who is willing to do the owner's dirty work in exchange for a chance to boss people around. Management experience is valuable to a point, but as a general rule, it's better to have a life than to get stuck acting like an owner but being paid like an employee. So I'm kind of down on management because I think in a lot of contexts, when you become a manager, it's kind of a dead-end position after a point, uh, or you get caught up into sacrifices that really are owner-level sacrifices, and yet in many cases, the owner doesn't own anything. I've seen a lot of management situations where the manager got paid maybe an extra quarter or 50 cents an hour and was instead required to do the extra things and go the extra mile all the time, drink the Kool-Aid, and in many cases make a lot less than the salesperson's that they managed or the revenue-generating people that they managed or other people in other areas in the company. So I think management skills can be really problematic beyond a point. Now, I do think that we all need to get some idea of how to manage other people and how to manage projects and how to manage money and that kind of thing. So I'm not saying that management is a bad thing to get some background in, but unless you're fired up about becoming a manager as a career path, I think you have to be really careful about buying into the idea that, oh, I'm a manager, so that justifies the sacrifices that I'm making or that justifies my situation as far as my career choices are concerned. Now, what management can position you to do potentially is to then own your own company or own your own project, put something out to market that you can run or manage yourself, and if that's where it leads you to, then that's a great place. But too many people, I think, when they become managers, they put their stock in the companies they're in in terms of their time. And, but they don't actually own stock. They just own faith in that company that will come through for them. And I have personally been in situations where I have given years to companies and management roles and literally walked away with nothing. Uh, in some cases, the experience I got was great, but you look back and you say, well, was it worth all those sacrifices or was it better to maybe play a less involved role in the company and have more time to pursue my own ventures? Because as we talk about in this book, one of the real assets in modern life is actually time. Whether that time is used to pursue the things you care about in your free time or the commitments you made to your family or what have you, or whether it's time that you can preferably spend on ventures that are going to generate income and free you up from the whole cycle of having to find jobs 
and having to be employable and work 40 hours a week. So management, when I talk about chasing skills, is one that I sometimes think is better off avoiding. Now, um, in terms of overall chasing skills, I make an interesting point here. I say, you know, chase skills and the money will follow should be the rule of the day. But I do point out that this approach truly clashes with how our we want to cooperate in the corporate culture as we're finding jobs. So I say, drop this line during an interview. I'm here to learn as much as I can from your company, but as soon as I've outgrown the situation, I will move on. You've just broken a cardinal rule by stating your self-interest. No offer will be forthcoming. Never mind that your future employer would do that to you in a heartbeat. So keep that in mind that though we talk about this whole approach of, of chasing skills and making sure we're getting the skills we need, we have to be careful as far as thinking that we can go ahead and be honest about those motivations at all times. When we're in interview settings, we need to step back from those kinds of ideas and talk more in terms of a company's interest and how we can help them. So essentially, that kind of interview process is a bit of a game that we play where we don't necessarily disclose, oh, I'm going to take this position for the skills. We put it in terms of how we can help the company we're going to join or be hired by. But in the back of our minds, we're thinking, how can these skills help me? How can these skills help me to be a more marketable person? How can they push me closer towards being able to land my own projects? How can they brand me further in the industry that I specialize in? How can they help me to break out of the rut that I'm in with the skills that I have? So we have to think about that as we go forward and make sure that we have that agenda inside ourselves, but we have to be careful and selective about how we disclose that agenda, especially during job interviews and job searches. Later on in this essay, I say, think of your business know-how as a container and your cash flow is the water. So at any rate, that's something as far as this is concerned is you need to know a certain set of skills. If you have that know-how, you can hold your cash flow, you can make job searches work for you, you can make changes happen. So your business know-how is what helps you to generate the income that is going to keep you afloat as you project forward into the next phase in your career path. So when I talk about companies assessing their own human resources in terms of, you know, when companies hire, they don't hire just based on what they need tomorrow. They hire based on their overall strategic direction. They look ahead to the future. They don't just look at what can this person do for me tomorrow. They look ahead as how does this HR hire fit into our overall strategic path. And I'm simply saying that on a strict level of our own skills, we need to look at it that way also. And not just look at it in terms of the moment, but look at it in terms of our long-term career path and how this next position can help us. Because sometimes we might actually take a job that actually pays us less in the short term if it helps us to make a long-term transition. Or we might look at it in terms of that management trade-off and that time trade-off and say, hey, you know, I will be getting you know, a, a sexier business card with this management title on it, but it's going to require so many additional sacrifices, and I could really instead benefit from the time that I save by just remaining a heads-down employee for a while and using my additional free time to launch my own venture or pursue some other important interests. So these are all the different factors that we weigh as we think about how it is we want to chase skills and not dollars in order to build 
a set of skills. Now, of course, eventually what I'm talking about is the ability to take some of those skills and knowledge and apply them truly to our own income-generating ventures of our own, uh, whether it's full-on businesses or uh, simply buying a home or a rental property. But the point is that in the meantime, we do have to have tools that we can use in the day-to-day to get by and to make better decisions in the here and now. So that's one thing I really try to do in this book is not to say to people you have to make all these changes tomorrow or you have to open a business tomorrow, but say how can you continue doing what you're doing but look at it differently, make an attitude shift in terms of what your agenda is and what you're trying to accomplish and the skills you're trying to acquire. So that's really the focal point of this particular chapter, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast review, and I will be doing more of the same, so check back frequently, and I will be providing context for all the chapters in this book as I pursue this ongoing podcast series. Thanks for joining me on Free From Corporate America Radio.